welcome to Smooches and Stabs with Pepper Basham and Jamie Jo Wright. Studying history, how history should have happened, and creating all kinds of fictional conspiracy theories. Right. Hello, everyone. <laughs> It's Pepper and Jamie back together oh, after a long hiatus. I don't even remember how we opened our podcast. Did we do something formal? No, I think we just talked about we who we talked. were. Yeah, we just started talking. And uh, one of the great things about uh, Jamie and I, I think, our friendship is, somebody told us one time that it's weird that our friendship seems to match so well. That's like, they're mm-hmm. two two very unexpected people that somehow work so yeah 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 it is it is because you're always finding a way to romanticize something and I'm finding a way to make it dark and gruesome (laughs) (laughs) I also think the reason why it works not so much our opposites but that I think we have similar oh of course now my computer's gonna freeze fudge Why? Why? If you can hear me, I'm trying to fix my, it's my internet on the side. ...ness of the not similarities, like your scary stuff. Right, right. Did you, did, did you notice that I completely froze and did not? No, you didn't freeze. Oh, really? Yeah, I was just watching. Did you hear me yakking? I'm like, no, you you did freeze. I did hear you say, oh, and now my computer's going to freeze. Oh yeah, I heard you did. Like you were just completely like in my beautiful way with that open drooly, drooly mouth version of me. Right, right. So we could either leave that in for life's reality or edit it out. I'm all for leaving it in because it's okay. just part of life. I know, I mean, and I think that makes it more realistic. Right. It's you guys are law with us. <laughs> right. So you guys listening, those of you who have heard our previous podcast, we really do shoot from the hip on this thing. It's not mm-hmm. like a planned. Mm-hmm. Thing. No. So you're getting a really good um, foray back into <laughs> smooches, stabs, <laughs> uh, frozen computer screens, and drooly mouths. It's right. Perfect. Yeah, we don't really edit. It's no. like no, no. It's raw. It's unfiltered, which I think is kind of what makes smooches and stabs <laughs> very much like us because we're well, pretty raw and unfiltered. <laughs> and the cool thing about lots of times when we come up with an idea. Either I'll bring it to the page or Jamie will bring it to the page. And neither one of us knows what the other one's going to bring. So right. today, Jamie's bringing something I have not even read. I only know right. what the guy's name is. So mm-hmm. we're going to be, it really is off the cuff. And I yeah. love that because you guys are getting immediate responses. Yeah. Maybe I'll love that. Maybe I won't love that. I don't know. This one. Oh, you're going to love this one. This <gasps> one is totally up your conspiracy theory alley. And there's so many ways to build romance into it. It's sickening. Like I'm already <laughs> nauseated. Or delightful or delightful. I hear the Hallmark chime happening in the back of my mind. <laughs> I don't even know what that sounds like. <laughs> okay. So today I can't even tell you what year we're going to. Okay. That's, that's how mysterious this dude is. Oh, yay. We could be in 1626 we could be in 
410. We could be in um Atlantis. Oh, I like that. Let's do we it. We could be in secret societies in Germany. Right. Or Amish space people. Yeah, no, that's not on the list. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no Amish space people in 16 whatever. So the dude we're talking about today is so mysterious that there's times that people say they have even seen him in 1957. Oh, I'm liking this. All right. So dude's name, and I won't be able to pronounce it correctly, is the Count of St. Germain, or also known as Count de St. Germain. Nice. Supposedly, if we go with his actual date of birth to maybe date of death 1710 to 1784 he sounds it sounds it's a very romantic name he's not good looking <laughs> i'm just gonna Everybody say that goes to look him up i'm just gonna say that i mean he's maybe he would be without the white powder puff wig yeah yeah, yeah. i think that would you know probably- if we did ai on him he might might actually strike a pose but he just looks real smarmy but he was kind of smarmy but well, in a, he's, in a he's mysterious like, way if he's like a couple thousand years old i think he should have a look on his face that's kind of superior what do you think? okay all right i'm just gonna read to you because i can't paraphrase this so i'm gonna read to you from the new world encyclopedia.org a little bit about count saint germain he was a mysterious gentleman who appeared among the royal families of Europe in the 18th century, known as Der Wundermann. I don't know. Der Wundermann. Der Wundermann. His varied and unique talents reportedly included, get this, chemistry, alchemy, music, and magic. (gasps) Mm -hmm. He had no visible means of support, but no lack of resources. From historical and personal reports, he has at various times been considered a prophet, a charlatan, a healer, a spy, and a visionary. He is said to possibly have been the founder of Freemasonry, which inspired inspired several of the American founding fathers. Yes. Mm -hmm. And has its own level of... Mystery. Creepy. Others say... He's Shakespeare and wrote most of Shakespeare's work while simultaneously being the scientific genius known as Francis Bacon. Okay. And in new age movements, he's identified as the avatar of the age of Aquarius and is considered an ascended master on par with history's greatest spiritual leaders. Okay. Wonder man means wonder man. So that is really interesting. So basically one of the first uh-huh. Avengers or something. Right. <laughs> right. So apparently, okay. So let's go to what we do know about him specifically. Okay. What he, do you know? <laughs> he came into prominence in 1742 in Europe and he had just spent five years in the Shah of Persia's court where he learned basically the jeweler's craft. Like he learned all about jewels. So the guy was always bedecked in jewels. Okay. Okay. 
he knew knowledge of like science, history, etc., and was constantly impressing people with that. Now, I have my own thoughts because like back in those days, you could pretty much say anything and be like, whoa, you're a genius because who okay. has the internet to search and verify, right? Right, true, true. However, we have to admit that he was pretty smart because he knew French, German, Dutch, Spanish, Portuguese, Russian, English, was familiar with Chinese, Latin, Arabic, and even ancient Greek and Sanskrit. Oh my goodness, I'm in love with this man. Right, right. Okay, so um, in, 19- in 1760, um, the fact that he was so learned started the rumor that perhaps he was actually immortal because there was there was yeah yeah, there's no way there's no way anybody who lives a general life could possibly know all this information that's the argument that was given right right right. right. um the countess von georgie heard that um count saint germain arrived for a soiree at the home of madame de pompadour mistress of king louis the 15th of france and she was curious because she had known a count de saint germain in venice in 1710 so she's sort of like hey we're gonna have a little reunion i met somebody like that and i haven't seen him in years right so ooh, fun but when she meets him he hadn't aged so she's like dude was that your dad that i met in venice and i'm sure she said it that way right yeah your dad do death do right. death. So Was here's how, a- right here's how the conversations <laughs> recorded, right? Okay, okay. And then, and then and then we can talk some more. Forgive uh no madame, he replied. But I myself was living in Venice at the end of the last and the beginning of this century. I had the honor to pay you court then. Forgive me, but that is impossible, the perplexed countess said. Impossible. The Count de Saint-Germain I knew in those days was at least 45 years old. And you at the outside are at that age at present. At present. My horrible French accent, right? I love it. Madame, I'm very old, he responds. Then you must be nearly 100 years old. That is not impossible. And then he continues to convince her that he was the same man because he knew details of their meetings and the life in Venice 50 years earlier. Oh, oh my oh my oh my we may have mm-hmm. to rewrite the jane austen uh, uh mm, right right so like really he just kind of was there and then in 1779 he went to hamburg germany where he pre- uh befriended the prince there and then according to local records he died there but then there's been spottings of him well into the 20th century. So he's kind of like Elvis. <laughs> yes. The first Elvis. The first yes. Elvis. This is the first the Elvis. Comte de Saint-Germain. <laughs> he's also said, I, I saw on one website that he was reported to have married a woman in the 1700s and then disappeared with all of her jewels because he loved jewels. So, you know, I'm not sure how much authority that story has, but even his shoes, according to history, were studded with jewels. It says here he wrote music, not just liked music. Right. He could play the violin. 
He could play the violin. He was a painter. Um, he was a man of great wealth, according to how he looked and seemed, but he wasn't known to have any banking information. And he has books attributed to him. So author, musician, mm -hmm. writer, mm. painter. I mean, the dude oh is the goodness. dude's gotten around. So I am loving this. Right. And there's just so much information. So, like according to several of the 20th century groups such as freemasons etc mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he was the ruler of a golden age civilization in the area of the sahara desert seventy thousand years ago he was also <laughs> the, I'm, I'm, I'm i'm not making this up he was, also know, the high, he was the high priest of atlantis thirteen thousand years ago um serving near where the island of cuba is now so that might give us a clue to where atlantis is because yeah everybody yeah. goes to cuba to find atlantis yeah right? that was my first thought exactly mm -hmm. ha! Ha! he's also the prophet samuel from scripture Just throw that one out there oh, okay so which is would be oh yeah way back i, I never thought samuel would go to atlantis but you I know think, yeah no that that's one story that could get twisted real fast. He was <laughs> he was Plato. He was the husband of Mary at the Christmas story. So he's Joseph. Joseph mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Samuel. Mm-hmm. Wow. And um, I don't even think Elvis has this kind of history. No, no. He's also Christopher Columbus. I just want to throw that in there. There's others, <laughs> but that one takes the cake. So he so. was probably on the Mary Celeste that disappeared <laughs> mysteriously too. I almost but... spit coffee all over my microphone when you said that. That's yeah. what happened. To I Mary. think he's probably responsible for just about every historical event there we go. that ever I... happened. See, I'm feeling though, I on this one part that I just saw, it says that, where, where was it? Because I think this is very... <laughs> interesting for those of us who will so for our readers who will understand this correlation yeah in a letter of december of 1745 okay uh, horace walpole mentions the count de saint germain as being arrested in london on suspicion of espionage which was mm. happening around the same time as the jacobite rebellion of 1745 time travel is not uncommon with people who are around the jacobite rebellion as far as I know, um, those of you who are Outlander fans. So <laughs> I'm sitting here wondering. He's Jamie from Outlander. Oh my gosh. No, Jamie's so much cuter. But <laughs> but um but but the idea, I mean, this guy has to. He sings, plays on the violin wonderfully, mm -hmm. composes, is mad and not very sensible. He is called an Italian, a Spaniard, a Pole, and somebody that married a great fortune in Mexico and ran away with her jewels to Constantinople. A priest, a fiddler, and a vast nobleman. Clearly, he's not Elvis. And, <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness, this guy is definitely either a time traveler or he is a vampire. Well, and he's, like I said, he's been spotted, he, right, he's been spotted. He was seen in Germany in 1785 with um, Anton Mesmer, the pioneer hypnotist. Um, and he was chosen in 1785 as the representative for the Freemasons. And then after <laughs> they took the Bastille in the French Revolution, 
1789, the Comtesse de said she had a lengthy conversation with the Count and he told her of France's future as if he knew what was coming. And then in 1821, so that would have been like, what, 40 years later, um, she'd seen him again. And um, that was the day Queen Antoinette was murdered. And apparently, he apparently knew something about that. I don't know. So then he was like, he's like one of your ravens. He shows up and bad things happen. He does. He's like a bad omen. Um, And he... He was also seen in 1972. He was on French. Yeah, in Paris. Um, and he had taken on the name Richard Chanfrey, who announced to the world that he was the Count and was on French television to prove his claim. Was he rich? Um, Let's see. To prove his claim, apparently turning lead into gold on a camp stove. So if he could turn lead to gold, I'd say he was rich. Um, but apparently it didn't really serve Chanfrey well because he committed suicide in 1983. So but whether he, that was the final demise of Count St. Germain or. Okay. Here he's probably committed suicide so many times because he knows he's coming back. Right. Like, right. Yeah. So here's the, here's this quote okay. on yeah. one, on one occasion of him meeting someone in 1749 to private after a private musical performance in London, Lady Jemima York described how she was very much entertained by him and at him the whole time. I mean, the oddness of his manner, which it is impossible not to laugh at. Otherwise, you know, he is very sensible and well-bred in conversation. And she continued. These are great Mm. things. He is an odd creature. (laughs) And the more I see him, the more curious I am to know something about him. him. He is everything with everybody. He talks ingeniously with Mr. Ray, philosophy with Mr. with Lord Willoughby, and his gallant and is gallant with Miss York, Miss Carpenter, and all the young ladies. But the character and philosopher is what he seems to pretend to and to be a good deal conceited of. The others are put on to comply with lay, but that you, but that you are. <laughs> to suppose his real characteristic and i can't but fancy he is a great pretender in all kinds of science as well as that he really has acquired an uncommon share in some mm-hmm. whoa see okay so i have so many theories about this man the first theory is probably the least exciting he was a con artist and he had fun while he was alive and then he died can you be a con artist and also be a time traveler, though? See, I'm thinking no. yes. Well, I mean, yeah, but if we're going with the realistic explanation. Oh, oh you're going to be realistic. I'll be fine. I'm going to be realistic. Well, let's just be realistic for a second here. Let's just think. Okay. Yeah. Because so if he was born sometime in 17, 1710 what? and he died in 1784, he had 74 years to play the role of whatever he wanted to play. And if he had an IQ that was off the charts, it's feasible. And just so you know, for the more realistic part, individuals who have very high IQs are usually odd. (laughs) I don't mean that badly. Blames half the smart people in my world. Right. So, so, I mean, if you were to even like, yeah, um, um, 
all all the people who have this gap and even a gap between their intelligence and their social ability if there's mm-hmm. a there's yeah. a gap there then you've got oddness <laughs> in learning how to do that relational thing oh so, yeah but yeah. it sounds like he was relational but I mean it's interesting that she would say an odd creature so there was something about him that wasn't quite right well and I'm sure I mean because I mean you think of the times and the lack of resources they had to you know background check these people you (laughs) really could say that you were whoever you wanted and if you have even a reasonable amount of information and a great acting ability you can pass yourself off as smarter than you actually are. True. If you have like, money too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can make yourself an authority on topics. And if nobody can fact check you and they know less than you. I mean, you have you read right. The Count of Monte Cristo? The Count of Monte Cristo, he mm-hmm. recreates himself. Exactly. He, he does. He does come upon some money, quite a bit mm-hmm. of it to be able that to helps. recreate himself. Yes. Right. But he was in prison for what 16 years in in chateau d'if and learned languages italian he learned all these languages <gasps> he is the, 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 he was <laughs> i was waiting for that he was the inspiration for the count of monte cristo edmond he probably the- wrote the book he's probably alexander <laughs> dumas too he's probably like okay you're gonna you're gonna appreciate this this will may kick your realistic um exposition <laughs> it may here here we go um this uh who was it who's um walpole which was a, a lord of the time period said that concludes that the count was a man of quality who had been in or designed for the church he was too great a musician not to have been famous if he had not been a gentleman walpole described the count as pale with extremely black hair and a beard he dressed magnificently and had several jewels and was clearly receiving large remittances, but made no other figure. Did he have fangs? Uh, no fangs are reported from Walpole. However, <laughs> if you are out with people, you rarely show your fangs if you're truly vampiric. So you wait till you're alone. It's easier probably to attack people in the singular, you know, sense. That's right. probably really what happened to his wife. Anyway, um, <laughs> but oh my I, gosh, I just I'm, stumbled on something that will blow I, all of this out of the water. I think he came back as what was the guy in Anastasia, the weird priest guy, um, Count Rasputin. I think he's he's Rasputin. It could be. But did you know there was a vampire in Louisiana? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's mm-hmm. hear about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. There was um a, a vampire in Louisiana. And they're saying, according to this website, it was St. Germain. And he traveled um, and found himself in Germany and then um, made his way to New Orleans. Okay. Uh-huh, New Orleans. Is- like the most haunted city in the United States. And very States. magical. And very magical. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep. And um he while he was in New Orleans, he um apparently invited a lady to his house and had a party with many up and coming elite, took her to a balcony and attempted to bite her neck. And she was able to escape by jumping off the balcony onto the pavement, but she was 
totally terrified. She had blood trickling down her neck. And um, they said, and then, and then he like escapes. And then they said they found clothes from all different time periods in his house. There was, and they were stained in blood. What, what, what year was this again? I'm trying to find out. Um, because it's just like this whole like article, because you know every article on the internet is factual. Um <laughs> right, exactly. I've, oh, I've got another quote to read to you. This is great. It's so adding, it. it's so adding to what you're reading. It's so fantastic. Okay. So um uh, Giacomo Casanova describes in his memoir several meetings with the celebrated and learned imposter. Ooh. Of his first meeting in Paris in 1757, he writes, The most enjoyable dinner I had was with Madame de Robert Grergi, who came with the famous adventurer known by the name of Count de Saint-Germain. Mm. This is in 1757. This individual, instead of eating talked from the beginning of the meal to the end and i followed his example in one respect as i did not eat but listened to him with the greatest attention it may safely be said that as a conversationalist he was unequaled now now he's been running around with a hypnotist so maybe he's got some skill saint germain gave himself out for a marvel and always aimed at exciting amazement which he often succeeded in doing he was a scholar linguist musician and chemist, good looking, and a perfect ladies' man. Has they well, looked at his? Has they? Has they? See, I'm a writer. Has they looked at his picture? <laughs> he, for a while, he gave the ladies paints and cosmetics. He flattered them, not that he <laughs> I thought you said pants, <laughs> pants and cosmetics. <laughs> it's an early time for women to finally get to wear pants. I'm all about it. <laughs> he said it wouldn't make them young again but it would preserve their beauty if they washed with it yeah because it was laced with mercury or that's what they did back then i think it's part of his way of enchanting them so they would come and he could suck their blood he contrived to gain the favor of madame de pompadour who had spoken about him to the king for i whom- want that as a name i want to be madame pompadour <laughs> For whom he had made a lo- oh oh he who had spoken about him to the king for whom he had made a laboratory in which the monarch, a martyr to boredom, tried to find a little pleasure or distinction at all events by making dyes. So the king liked to make dyes. The king gave him a suite of rooms and a hundred thousand francs for the construction of the laboratory or laboratory and according to saint germain the dyes discovered by the king would have materially beneficial influence on the quality of french fabrics so the king made him a laboratory is that what i'm hearing this guy okay all right so it's time that we proceed and put our own spin on these things and y'all know where i'm gonna go with this there's zero romance in this story (laughs) it is 100 going to be titled the man who conned the world well, I can do that too, the con part. <laughs> but it's going to be romantic. Right. Go for it. Go for yeah, it no, Go. but mine, mine is like, I'm thinking assassinations and um, a ladies' man. Like, I kind of picture him as a Casanova, like the type of person that comes in and just swoops in. And yeah, sure. I think if I were going to twist his story, he wouldn't actually be a vampire, but right. he would, he would produce 
um, not produce, he would present himself with enough mystique that he would actually embrace the idea of a vampire. In other words, kind of pawns himself off as one. Yeah, yeah. Because the lure of a vampire, oh man, I want to write this book. The lure of a vampire <laughs> would bring these beautiful women to his doorstep. It would work out great for split time. <laughs> it would. And he could lure these women to his doorstep. And then, you know, they're just completely enamored by his knowledge and his musical ability, charisma. His, poetic abilities, his charisma. And then off with their heads like he completely murders them and maybe like if if i'm gonna go gory here like he'll collect their blood in vials and he's got like a a oh i love it he's got pepper's like wincing he's got like vials of blood on his shelves for each woman that he murdered like he's really he's a con artist serial killer from the 1700s that was never given credit because now today people think he's immortal and he's like the head of the new age movement and in reality he's just a dead serial killer who is super smart that's my take oh see everything has to go back to serial killers what is that about well how are you going to incorporate kisses into this with him actually being romantic like i have kisses but they're not romantic they die i think he is a time traveling spy who is trying to, (laughs) to find his long lost love who is who got lost in the time traveling continuum and he's trying to find her so he comes back through all these different time periods to try to find her that's not aging and if he's been around for a long time he's learned all these skills so he's gonna obviously present himself mysteriously here's the thing there are a couple of instances in his history (laughs) where he was trying to negotiate between countries to bring peace there are a couple of instances where he was trying to help certain political groups and so i think maybe he's going back and forth in time to help change the future to be better by going by knowing what's going to happen in the past so he has jewels maybe he discovered something in atlantis while he was there that allowed him the ability to try and travel and he's constantly trying to find his one true love through time i think i should write that one I think we should have our listeners vote. Which one would you prefer? Which which one do you want to read? The blood-sucking serial killer vampire con artist? Or or the time-traveling Atlantis hero? Unrequited love story. Atlantis jewel magic time-traveler unrequited love story. I don't, I, don't even, I don't even know where to go with this now. <laughs> well, it's just so interesting. I mean, it, it, it is. It is. If we were to take out all of our fanciful ideas, the idea that somebody, one, a human person, because you and I both know we don't believe in time travel at this point or vampires at this point or real magic doing something like that. And so the idea that one person could cause such a legacy of curiosity right and right. and and mystery is pretty impressive all on its own well and here's you know if if we really take this back a notch if we're going to take out all the fantasy and the lovely bloodlust drama <laughs> that was infused in my side of the story anyway 
I mean, think about it. What if he was literally just a normal, smart guy and had no concept that his desire to chit chat at the supper table was going to lead to, you know, centuries of him being lauded for being immortal and literally (laughs) being heralded as the head of, may I, should I say cults? Yeah. Right. The idea, though, again, there is some sort of curiosity about how he became so rich, because in every account, he has this kind of unending flow of money. So that's curious. And maybe he was just a like Edmond. (laughs) He he in some kind of way early on in his life came into a bunch of money. Yeah. Or else people just liked him and, you know, kind of were investors or benefactors. And he was, and if he was in Persia, I mean, that part seems to be accurate where he learned how to be a jeweler. I mean, and jewelry makes money. And Persians aren't poor. No, put that on a t shirt. Persians aren't poor. (laughs) And if you, I mean, the stories, and once you start a story, like whenever we talk about our little additional historic tidbit, people once somebody starts something it can catch on like wildfire fire and becomes bigger mm-hmm. and bigger and bigger than 100 percent, right well, like well like your book um uh what's the one the uh with arwen in it what's oh the, the souls of lost lake the souls of lost lake her history was mm-hmm. blown out of proportion because some you know sneaky tongued people go yeah. in and add more than what was right right Right. Or try to answer questions that you can't answer unless you were there. And so the same kind of ideas could easily have been happening here. And you're already in a world where gossip is everything, where money is big, where all if you once you get into the royals or once you get into the aristocracy, you keep building upon that if they like you and that can grow you, you know. I just figured out the answer to this entire okay. thing. This what? is smack dab during the time period of Bridgerton. <laughs> so it has to be, I don't really like watch that, but I know there's like a lady who like writes papers and gossips. So she probably, yeah, she probably started it all. Yes. And this has nothing to do with anything, but a bunch of local gossips who have nothing else to do. He's probably some poor guy who just didn't even want to be in the radar. Now he's like, famous. or. Or as most writers can be, he's writing his own story and people are reading it. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe he created all the stories about his life and put them mm. in the right places. This so that, so, I mean, because you have to say fiction writers, we do have crazy things. This podcast is an example that come into our minds. This and is if, not crazy. This is factual. If we were going to have, <laughs> if we were going to, if we were going to reinvent ourselves, yes, and we had the creative and brilliant ability to do so, and the financial support to do so, and we have a few extra little cool skills like jewelry making and 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 uh, music music abilities and the gift of gab. Wouldn't that? Wrong. Be- wouldn't that be a great thing for an author to do to watch his fiction come to life in the real world? <sighs> well, anyway, we spin it. I think today we have completely learned about a new historical character who I had never heard of before. Pretty fascinating. Very Pretty fascinating. fascinating. So we can credit <laughs> if anything. Oh, oh, you're going to love what? this. Uh, the what? vampire thing. 
um, the Count de Germain told the Prince of Hesit Cassel in German, in uh, Altonia, Altona, wherever that is, he told the prince that he was the son of a Transylvanian Prince Francis Racozzi, and he had been 88 years of age when he arrived in Schleswig. Oh my gosh. Transylvania came back up. Let me just say, now I've got to research where, uh, what's his name, got the Dracula. <laughs> uh, was that Bram, Bram Stoker? Yes. And he's Irish. Yeah, talk about well, that. It's probably Saint Germain too. He's probably Saint Germain. He's pretty much everybody again. Fiction people spinning fiction people. Aha! Uh -huh. right. right. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been a blast. Um, I think this has been a great way to reintroduce smooches and stabs, <laughs> and um, bring us back into the land of podcasts. However. <laughs> In true form, do you have an interesting historical fact to close us out with? I do. My daughter, Lydia, shared this interesting historical fact to for you readers and listeners on uh, Smooches and Stabs. If you have not heard about the dancing plague of 1518, and I think Jane Austen says something about dancing is the first step to falling in love. I'm oh, not sure meant it in this kind of way. The Dancing Plague of 1518, or the Epidemic of 1518, was a case of dancing mania that occurred in Strasbourg, which is modern-day France, in the Holy Roman Empire from July 1518 to September 1518. Somewhere between 50 and 400 people could not stop dancing. No. Now, there are no... Yes, it's there. There are no historical accounts of accurate death counts but there are some people who have listed some deaths of as many as 15 people dying a day from this epidemic of dancing uh some people have tried to look at modern theories of why it happened some people have said it was a mass hysteria and it started and then continued because of a psychological mass hysteria um other people said it was some sort of uh uh, uh, type of fungus that was on the grain <laughs> of that place and it caused you to have okay. body twitches um oh. some of the dancing i've seen before choreographed body twitches <laughs> choreographed body twitches i wonder how much romance it led to since dancing this might be this way. might be a whole other podcast <laughs> if this isn't a historical <laughs> fact this is a complete conspiracy theory story in in the making <laughs> Well, there, I mean, if there were any deaths, you would be all for it. And I'm sitting here thinking all these people are falling in love. So I wonder if the population increased quite a bit since then. <laughs> that would be a different form of dance, which we will not be covering in our podcast. It <laughs> leads to romance, you know, <laughs> we will not be going to the, to the, that dance, that dance top. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. Fun. <laughs> All right. Well, tell Lydia thank you for that interesting historical tidbit. I might have to look that one up and refer to that in a book. And you might have to look that one up and actually write a book because I don't know. I don't do that time period. I'm not interested unless unless I do a time traveling guy who lives forever and goes back to. <laughs> and would his name by any chance be Saint Germain? He, his, the way he found his wife was through the the play. he finally finds her in 15 whatever at the dancing through. plague and he's like this yes. is why you never came back to me you're sick 
You've been dancing too long. Oh my gosh. Oh, All right. Well, on that note, everybody, thank you so much for joining today's episode yep. of Smooches and Stabs. And barring any more life events that completely white pepper our eye off the map for another year, we will see you again in a couple weeks. <laughs> none. Let's hope for none. <laughs> you guys, bye. Bye. Thank you for joining this episode of Smooches and Stabs with Pepper Basham and Jamie Jo Wright. Find us at facebook.com forward slash smooches and stabs on YouTube and on your favorite podcast player. <laughs>